Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome along to the flagship show here. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, sadly, no Murph today. He's got called into the big smoke in London town, so I'm sure he's probably sat on a train watching this as we speak. Uh, but I'm Dan. I'm glad you're for it. I am pleased to introduce you guys. You can see him sat there, uh, writer and ranker for Dynasty Nerds, host of the Dynasty Debates podcast, and joined from Belfast and Ireland by Evan Brown. How are you, Evan? I am fantastic, mate. Thanks for the for the for the invite. Glad to be here. Love the the intro. A bit of Scott Hansen action. Never go wrong there. Yeah, right. It's awesome. And they've just done the video in my name now. I've only been doing the show for eight, nine months. Finally got my name on the on the credits. So. <laughs> there you go. You're moving up in the big time. I, I, I am right. Murph and Rob sat down last week and come up with that. So that's that's awesome. I, I said to Murph last week, I'm not in somebody else's chair at the minute, so feels so Shout good. Shout out Murph. Yeah, right. So <laughs> how are you, Evan? Tell people that, that don't know you who you are, what you do. I mentioned a little bit there in the intro, but... Yeah, I mean, you pretty much basically. nailed it, man. Like, um, Good. over here in I'm Belfast, holding it down. Yeah. Yeah, over here in Belfast, holding it down, Northern Ireland style. Um, mm-hmm. Writing and ranking over at Dynasty Nerds and putting up episodes of my own podcast, Dynasty Debates. Pretty much have episodes up every single week. Some awesome guests on there. Great We've show. had... Yeah. Um, rich from dynasty nerds recently we've had um rich actually rich cooling i'm sure you guys all know dynasty island Island. 
Um, and then, yeah, just some awesome guests every single week. We had, um, I've just dropped an episode today with Jeff Greenwood from the Fantasy Footballers, co-host of the Tackle Dummies pod. So, yeah, a lot of great guests. Definitely check it out. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd finally recommend it. I was listening in. So, um, we sat down and had a look at what we want to do today. Me and Murph have obviously been through a bit of redraft stuff. We did the rookie stuff shortly after the draft. And I had Ali on and we looked at kind of the winners and losers from the draft. Uh, me and Murph recently have been through some kind of draft strategy ideas over the last week or so and ways that you can set out in a draft and, and things we look for and to try and take advantage of. And we thought we'd try and culminate the two here. So we thought we'd have a look at kind of rookies in this year's redraft. So which ones are we expecting? We've seen obviously in recent years, Jefferson and Jamar Chase have huge impacts. So we thought if you're tackling a, a redraft league coming up soon or might be one of these big competitions, which of these rookies from this year can we realistically expect a performance from that's going to aid your, your roster? Which ones have got the upside shots? And, and also look at their ADP and see which ones are a proper gamble at, at that slot. So um, I thought we'd do is just have a run through position by position and just kind of see what your thoughts are, Evan. Is that all right with you? Yeah, I love it, man. Always any, always up for talking rookies. Always. Good. I've got the right man on the show then. So <laughs> uh, we'll start with QB. I mean, first QB off the board this year, Kenny Pickett went to the, the Steelers. I guess for me, he's probably the only one that looks like being a starter. Do you agree with that? Um. So, Can I mean, we if we're talking this? redraft wise, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if you're talking like your traditional sort of one QB redraft league, yeah. He's certainly the only one that I would even consider, um, you know, taking a shot on. And to be honest with you, I, I probably wouldn't. Like, if it's a one QB, if it's a super flex, um, you know, I don't know how common super flex, um, you know, is for redraft players now. I know that in Dynasty, it's all the rage and we kind of always play super flex. But if you're doing your traditional one QB sort of league, Honestly, I'm probably not even taking a shot on on Pickett because it wouldn't surprise me if they at least give Trubisky, um, you know, sort of an option to to try and play, you know, because they've paid him, they've brought him in. I think that, you know, if it's pretty close in camp or if Pickett is obviously looking better, they'll let Pickett just start the season. But if he's showing any signs of, you know, rookie, you know, getting used to the ropes and things like that, I just think they're a really good coaching staff so it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they give Trubisky you know the first crack at the whip there and just let him start so I, I wouldn't mess around with it I would just keep an eye on him if I was doing redraft I think for me he's the only one that that would be feasible I think he's the one most likely to start week one um there's upside there's decent receiver core and they've got Harris in the run game there so I think if any of them could be fantasy relevant from week one he's, he's got the roster around him to to try and be so but as you say, if you're playing in a one QB redraft, yeah, league, exactly. I think you know if I was if, if I'm waiting, waiting team as yeah, you, exactly. You, if I'm waiting, if you're waiting on QB, if it's only a one QB redraft, there's still going to be, in my opinion, better options. You know, I don't think, unfortunately, doesn't look like QB is going to be one of those. Um, you know, one of the positions that we're really going to be like attacking for that redraft this year for rookies. Yeah. Cause I mean, if I'm waiting that late, I'm probably hoping to, I would rather just take a shot on Davis mills or someone like that, that you can probably get really late in a draft who has already shown you something. And you're hoping that they will be able to do good because even if he does the week one starter, he's not really that mobile of a quarterback. He's not really, yeah. you know, got that Konami code that we really want for our quarterbacks. So unfortunately we don't know how high his ceiling would actually be, even if he was the week one starter. So for me, 
in a one QB league, I'm probably not going for any of these guys. I might keep an eye on Pickett or keep an eye on Ritter, especially because he does yeah. have those uh, rushing upside that we would want. But yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be going in banking on starting one of them guys. And I think that's effective. ABP currently got Kenny Pickett uh, around 17 pick at 213, where as you say, late draft pickup. Ryan Tannehill's available mid 15th. You know what you're going to get. Okay, yeah. receiver cause change, but you know what you're going to get. He has a rushing touchdown in him, which which assists that, I guess, to some extent. Even behind him, you've got Mac Jones and um, Jared Goff. Not a fancy pretty name, but if you've waited that long on it, it's, yeah. it's viable, right? So, no, I mean, a hundred percent. I think you know, you know, even with Tannehill, I mean, he still finishes like what QB thirteen last year or something like that. Everyone acts like he's yeah. dead and buried, but yeah. it may not be pretty, but he'll still put up some points for you. So if you're going to wait on QBs, I don't think, I don't think you want to look at the rookies this year, um, at least not the start of the season. Maybe just keep an eye on them. Fair. The only did mention with the Russian upside was Desmond Ridder to, to come onto him. Um, if he gets to roll, he gets to roll early enough in the season. I guess you're probably not going to draft him unless it's kind of a fixed best ball roster, but it could be someone you look to, to wave somewhere if you've lost a thing and he gets the job early. Yeah, no, 100%. He's somebody that I'm really, you know, I've definitely been trying to get in my dynasty rookie drafts, but okay. certainly in redraft, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't draft him, but I would keep an eye, a really close eye on it because mm-hmm. if, you know, I think there's sort of multiple different scenarios in which we could see Ritter take the field pretty early on. You know, if if um, Mario struggles at all, if Mario struggles at all, then yeah. why not just see what you've got in the young guy? Um, if even if it's just not necessarily Mariota's fault, but the Falcons are struggling, you know, six weeks in, eight weeks in, they've only won yeah. one or two games. Again, why not just see what the young guys got? Because we know it's such a strong quarterback class in 23. You might yeah. as well assess what you've got there just in case there's any hope. Uh, so I think there's a lot of reality, you know, a lot of realistic ways in which we see Ritter take the field. And if he does take the field, um, I know there's been some concerns about his accuracy. He's got freaking Kyle Pitts and Drake London that he can just chuck the ball up to. And he has those wheels. He's quite mobile. He's very athletic. He's definitely somebody that, you know, could be a sneaky value in redraft if he gets that chance. So I would be very much keen to keep an eye on that situation. Again, one QB redraft is probably not draftable. Maybe worth keeping an eye on a waiver wire some weeks in if, if he's going to get that starting role. If it was yeah. a super flex one and you're looking at Ridder, do you have to pair him with Mariota just so that you have that? coverage yeah i mean again it's one of those situations where unless you've just completely been like i'm waiting at qb <laughs> and i'm you've waiting, waiting, a long waiting time and i'm waiting yeah exactly <laughs> you can you know if you've got it depends on the redraft league but if you're a traditional one qb yeah don't think you need to draft either of them but if it is a super flex um it might not be a bad idea because Mariota and um ritter are so late in drafts you can really stack your roster get your running backs get your wide receivers your tight end and then kind of if you've only taken one stud qb or you know you've taken a stud and then you've waited till maybe the eighth ninth tenth round and taken a car or something like that then you can swoop in at the end there and get um a mariota and and last couple picks you know you can almost like take them with your last couple picks uh that might be an option as well you know because again you never know i mean it would it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to see Mario to have a couple of good games at the start of the season. He looked all right when he came in a relief of Derek Carr had a couple of good games. It's just whether he'll be able to, con- you know, consistently sustain that throughout the course of the season. I have to come in a bit where I've done some fixed best balls so where there is no waivers, where I'm taking a, a stud QB early and then late, late, late in drafts, I'm picking up both Mario and Ridder almost in back-to-back rounds effectively. Um, 
purely on the basis I've only got to have one of them for one week. And I don't know which one it will be, but both of them have a kind of upside. The, the games, the game plan should suit a decent QB scoring. They should be behind in games. They should be throwing a lot. Ritter has a rushing, depending on whether I picked up an Allen or a Mahomes or a, a Jackson, let's say, where their bye week is. I'm getting both just to kind of cover myself because there are no waivers in certain sort of best ball setups that um, whichever one it will be, will be there. Yeah. It's one week. It's one week. And especially, I think if you're playing best ball or, you know, if it's just redraft, again, yeah. we're not worried about the future. We don't care what 2023 or 2025 Correct. looks like. Nope. I love that idea of going Herbert or Mahomes or something really early stacking up all this quality in the middle and then at the end grabbing like a Danny Dimes, a Mariota, you know, a couple of these guys who have a rushing floor and have a potential if it's the right week or given the right set of circumstances, they could have a big week or Davis Mills, like I've already mentioned, somebody you can get in the 12th, 14th, 15th rounds. I love that idea, you know, because yes, it's great to have two stud quarterbacks, especially if it's dynasty because we're thinking more long term. But if you're only worried about this year, then like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Danny Dimes is a decent option, you know, um, just because of his rushing floor and stuff like that. In a one QB redraft league, if you take a stud, and me and Murph have said even you don't need one of them top five, even if you pick up a, a Brady in the seventh to ninth, someone like that, you only need one guy for one week. You know, it, it is just, and the upside of those, you know, you're going to have to get lucky to hit on one, but there'll be enough on the waivers that you can find something, find something in form. There'll be injuries somewhere. So, um, oh, yeah, 100%. And that's, that's what, you know, you're exactly right. I think if you're playing your traditional, especially if it's like a office league or, you know what I mean? Like yeah, if it's yeah. like a home league or something, I, I don't even, I don't think we're going to even talk about these rookie quarterbacks for redraft. I think no. you're absolutely right. You can get a Brady, you can get a, you know, crazy as it sounds, you can still, I mean, you can get Kirk cousins in the double digit yeah. rounds and yeah. streaming quarterbacks in a one QB redraft league is, it is pretty easy. Like it, it's, it is fairly, you know, cause nobody yeah. really nobody, unless they're a complete sort of noob to fantasy is going to be carrying more than one quarterback, probably um, at least at the start of the season. So you've got that kind of insulation of like, you can kind of see how things shake out. Wouldn't surprise me in some leagues, if you're going to see somebody like a two or something, he's still on waivers, even after the draft, yeah, you know, so we will 12, 14 team. I'm mostly going to have, let's say 20 of the 14 team, 20 QBs gone. If there's a 14 team, but let's say some will pick up to exactly. Um, you're still going to have 12 options on the board. So one of those is going to give you a QB2 number for one week, and I'm sure that can suffice for what you need it for. So Yeah, exactly. It's not something that you need to – and that's the whole thing, isn't it, about even J.J. Zacharyson and those kind of guys yeah. have built their whole you know, empire on the back of like late-round QB. So in redraft, one QB definitely don't worry about – I wouldn't worry at all about the rookies. I would wait and want to see what they're doing anyways because you can grab a, a Brady or you know any of these guys and probably – sixth seventh eighth round or even if you want to wait even later you can get a Derek Carr probably in like the 12th yeah. round or something you know and you can stack him with Adams which is great because Adams is still going to get 140 targets 150 targets you know yeah, it's still going to be yeah. a nice stack and you don't have to spend up to get it that's it the only other QB I wanted to touch upon and again fancy relevance I don't think is there especially in redraft but I looked at the ADP data and Matt Corral Matt Corral's ADP at the minute is a round ahead of both Darnold and Baker we are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County.
Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforumc.org. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. <laughs> Are we expecting Macaratic to play ahead of either of those two? I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I think most people are probably similar to me and they have very little to no faith in Sam Darnold's ability to hold down a starting position all year. So I think that's probably what's reflective in the ADP. I think the Baker Mayfield thing has just been so weird and strange and uncomfortable for everyone that nobody just knows what to do with him. And so that's why his ADP is what it is. But it wouldn't surprise me. Rumors around Watson not playing might yeah. just start pushing Baker up a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say it, w- just... it wouldn't surprise me. The more I've thought about it, I've actually been sending out some offers um, for Baker Mayfield and Dynasty yeah. Leagues because I feel like yeah. people are so freaked out and just done with him. But actually he's nowhere near as bad as the kind of like narrative has become that he is like people are saying, you know, they're putting him in the same category as a Sam Darnold or something like that. Whereas the truth is when he's healthy um, and he's got a competent offense around him, he's shown to be a decent quarterback. So especially like a quarterback two in a dynasty super flex league or something, but for redraft, I think you get better options, but yeah, I, I actually really liked Matt Corral. Like as far as, evaluating his tape and like looking at him for dynasty purposes. I really liked him, but I don't think again, it's not something I'm going to be drafting in redraft. I'll keep an eye out. And if he does win the starting gig, like week three, depending yeah. on my quarterback situation or depending on like, if I've won my first three weeks and I've sitting there with a couple bench spots, I might pick him up <laughs> because he ran a lot in college. So he yeah. might have that really nice rushing floor and he was really RPO heavy. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, that could be a really nice little duo going on. But again, it's not something I'm drafting. I'm just going to keep an eye on and see how things shake out in Carolina. Fair enough. Right. So summarize that QB, rookie QBs and redraft this year, especially if it's one QB. Forget it. (laughs) Don't even bother is the summary of that one, right? Super. So let's (laughs) move on to something that might be a little bit more relevant. Um, First of all, Stacey joins us. Thanks, Stacey, for for watching in. Shout out, Stacey. Um, Running backs. 101 in most rookie drafts this year. Brees Hall probably coming off the yep. board as a top 10 running back in redraft this year. Hasn't touched an NFL football field. ADP at the minute sits kind of late third round, early fourth round. Can we expect him to return that kind of value? Um, It wouldn't surprise me, but it could, you know, it could be dangerous. And I think okay. for me, if I've waited till the third or fourth round to try and get a running back, I'm probably not drafting Brees Hall because... I will. I want something that's kind of more of a sure thing. I think if I've decided to go really running back heavy, and and Brees Hall is like my third running back in the third in the third or fourth round, then I'm probably happy enough with that because I think he has the potential. He has the talent. There's definitely going to be opportunity. I think he has that potential to to become a top ten back his rookie year. But at the same time, he comes from a tree and from a scheme that we've seen be really, um, you know, sort of really running back, just hot hand approach you know yeah. we saw michael carter do really well in spurts last year somebody i really liked um and i was really excited about yeah. so and there's also just in the off season yeah yeah <laughs> i have a lot of michael carter so yeah, um it, it, and honestly i'm not just saying this it could easily be a 60 40 you know 55 okay. 45 share because 
from a real NFL perspective, that's good for them. You know, they want um, a timeshare. They want lots of guys involved because then it keeps the chance of injury less and it keeps the, the offense and the, or sorry, the defense guessing what's going to happen here. Who's on the field. Like they're both on the Williams, field. Melvin Gordon kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, if we took, if we look at the fact that they've come from a tree of coaching where guys like, you know, the 49ers, I mean, you never know. It's literally roulette every week. Is it a Jeff Wilson week? Is it a Trey Sermon yeah. week? Is it an Elijah Mitchell week? It's never Who knows? a Jeff Wilson week. It was. It was. Ask ask <laughs> Joe Peterson and Tommy Pham. What's the Jeff Wilson yeah. <laughs> There was one back there. But I mean, Brees Hall's, so you say you're taking experience, guys. Brees Hall's ADP currently sits at 50. He is ahead of David Montgomery. He is ahead of J.K. Dobbins. He's ahead of Josh Jacobs, ahead of Antonio Gibson. Are you faded Hall in redraft this year in favor of those guys, perhaps? Well, for example, where is he at versus um, Travis Etienne? Uh, ETN is going six, seven spots ahead of him, 44, and Brees Hall's at 50, six spots. Yeah, so if I'm going to wait till like the third round and I want to get a running back there, I'd rather have ETN personally. Cam Akers um, is sitting in the middle of them as well. Yeah, so I mean, I think there's other options that I'm probably more comfortable with. Like I said, it depends on your build. <laughs> I personally, I think for me personally, depending on the league scoring, obviously, if it's PPR, tight end premium, things like that, um, you know, if I've waited till the third round, fourth round to get my first running back i'd rather have somebody that you know for me travis Etienne has an equally as high ceiling as a Brees hall um and he has less competition you know initially yeah. and just looking at the doug peterson style offense how they like to utilize their running backs the fact that he's got that chemistry already with trevor lawrence he doesn't need to build that chemistry for me I think I'd rather lean travis Etienne probably in redraft okay. um over a Brees hall because like i said we just don't know. We haven't seen it yet. And I can, you can argue yeah. we haven't seen it yet with ETN, but then there's some variables that you take out of the equation with ETN that you can't take out of the equation with Brees Hall. So if nothing I, else, I think that... Now reading the playbook. Yeah, and I think ultimately, has, like right? you said, it, it just wouldn't surprise me to see Michael Carter involved more than we thought yeah. he was going to be involved. And ultimately, yeah. who knows? We get down into the red zone and all of a sudden... Maybe they're just really hammering Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. And, you know, those guys are the red zone guys. If they're not getting that goal line work, that really hurts their value as well. If Michael Carter is only a third down back and only getting, you know, targets, mm. that still hurts Brees Hall because targets are incredibly value in fantasy. So, yeah. so it's a dangerous one. Is this near most come back here and said, if they split 60 40 in Hall's favor, are you worried there'll be enough volume for them to get up there? Well, that's it. Exactly. Right? It's. That's the problem is that we don't know how they're going to utilize them. So if, I mean, it's not going to, I'm not for a second thinking it's going to be an equal 50, 50, or, you know, that Michael Carter's going to get just as much work. I mean, they've obviously spent really intense draft capital. You know, they went out of their way to get Reese Hall on the squad. So I'm sure he's going to get the lion's share, but at the same time, it just matters. How does that lion's share break down? You know, I think that's the real question is, does Michael Carter get the third down pass catching rule? That really hurts Brees Hall's value unless he's getting all the red zone work. But even if he gets the red zone work, how efficient is the offense to get them red zone work? You know, it's all a lot of questions because we still need to see Zach Wilson take that step forward, which we didn't see last year. So I think he's a risky bet. I feel like in Dynasty, I'm more than happy to take that bet because I think the skill is there. The talent is there. But I think for me, you know, it, it is a risky one. It's one of those ones where I think your team is either going to smash or could potentially really hurt your team if you go Brees Hall because he could either just be like that mid mid running back two, which 
why would you take a mid running back two in the third round or second round? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or is he just going to be like this amazing from day one, incredible, get 90% of the work and just be an absolute stud? Fine. So moving on from Brees Hall then, uh, the next running back we come to in the rookies and the ADP is Kenneth Walker. Now, where he's in relation to his teammates, actually, is a crime. Kenneth Walker's going off the board at 88. Um, he is nearly three rounds ahead of Rashad Penny, who many believe will be the lead back in Seattle this year with, with Carson's injury. Carson's way down on that, that ADP currently. Um, can you see Walker being that big a role to, to pick him up at that stage? I Yeah, I mean, I could. So I, I would see that, yeah, personally. I mean, honestly... <clears throat> I know there's some hardcore Rashad Penny truthers out there, but unfortunately we've just never seen him be able to stay healthy, you know, yeah, ever since he's been I'm there. Right. I mean, he got, he got supplanted by Chris Carson, who was the lesser drafted running back. You know, he got supplanted. Troubles himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, you know, it's one of those situations where I think people are sort of banking on the health and it's not like Penny's been signed to this big multi-year extension. Yeah. I think it's sort of a situation where they've gone out and they've, made it a priority to get Kenneth Walker on the team. We know Pete Carroll's history of like run the dang ball. You know, that's like probably part of the reason why Russell Wilson's not in town anymore is because Pete Carroll wants to establish the run. He wants to run the ball. They've got a better offensive line. Um, They have a weird quarterback controversy going on where we don't know who's going to be the starter. And even whoever it does end up being the starter probably isn't an elite option. So they're going to need a good solid run game. And honestly, like if you look at Chris Carson, whenever he has been healthy, he was always like a low end RB one high end RB two. And honestly, Kenneth Walker is an incredibly talented running back. I mean, in my opinion, you know, and, and the thing is as well, I know a lot of, a lot has been made about him not catching the ball a lot and that being a concern <clears throat> for fantasy. But again, if you look back to the model of Chris Carson, he never was like this elite pass catcher. No, no. I don't think he ever got more than 50 targets in a season, you know, and, and that's yeah. not normally what you see from RB ones and stuff like that. So to me, even if he's only getting 30 or 40 targets, he's getting lion's share of the work and stuff like that. I think he's talented enough and he's very, very fast. People forget how speedy and stuff. He's able to break those long runs yeah. um, with the improved offensive line, with the fact that he's one, he's, he's one of those few running backs and in one of those few situations where you could actually see him get 20 touches a game. You know, I wouldn't surprise me if he takes over that Pete Carroll gives him 20, 25 touches a game. And so for yeah. me, yeah, I, I think... You know, I'd rather wait those extra few rounds and get Kenneth Walker than probably take Brees Hall at cost. Just based on then you can stack three, four wide receivers, a tight end, and then come in and grab Kenneth Walker and sort of piecemeal it together. I think Kenneth Walker, for me, we'll go for the rest of the show, but I think Kenneth Walker, for me, is probably the safest rookie to draft this year because of the situation he's got. Um, you look at his ADP around him, running back-wise, Tony Pollard just behind him. You've got Cordell Patterson, Damian Harris. So these guys you'll be picking up as your... RB3, your flex spot, maybe, something like that. And I think Kenneth Walker's upside is higher than that, even if it won't be out the gate and it isn't guaranteed. I think his upside's far higher than a than an RB3 flex spot play. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, talent-wise and even situation-wise, I genuinely, and I'm not saying this will happen or I'm even projecting this to happen, but I would not be shocked if he was like RB11 at the end of the year. Like, I wouldn't well, be shocked. injured like last year. Easy. Yeah. If he gets the volume, if he locks down the Seattle backfield and he's getting that volume, he's talented enough, in my opinion. He could be a low-end RB1 just based on volume. Super. And Murph's here interviewing from the train. Uh, can we see a scenario where <laughs> Walker is held back in the opening weeks 
so he can get time to adjust and, and not burn the tyres off him in a dead year. Which I guess there is that feasibility, but I guess if they use Penny early, heavy, Penny's not making it to mid-season without an injury. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think that, you know, I just, I, I would feel very, very surprised, you know, even at the start of the year, if it's not at least a 50-50 timeshare. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just would be very surprised yeah. by that. And that's probably even to, to try and keep the workload off of Penny and try and make him last for the season. Yeah, well, exactly. So. Yeah, even if they want Penny to do well, it would surprise me if he's not getting at least 50% of the work. Fair. And one other running back I want to cover off is James Cook. Went to Buffalo in the draft. Um, they had a kind of Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, really kind of split look coming into last season. Singletary come out and won the role and proved himself to be the lead back there in Buffalo. James Cook's coming to town. Uh, and Singletary and Cook have almost an identical ADP. So we're using uh, underdogs ADP as of last week, currently, uh, one QB league. Singletary's at 107.1 and Cook's at 107.9. Do you see this being that even a split? Because it's not for me. Um, well, I am a certified James Cook truther. So okay, for, me, for me personally, uh, yes, I do. I, I would okay. see it as because a um, couple of things. Just quickly, I'll try and keep this to three hours minimum. Um, <laughs> but the thing is about James Cook is that a, he never had a bell cow role. He doesn't need a bell cow role to succeed. So he's not going to have the bell cow role. I don't expect Singletary to disappear. So absolutely Singletary could be a value and he could be a really great option for you. But if I'm looking at that range in the draft, I'm probably looking just for upside. I want the, the upside play. And to me, James Cook is the upside. Uh, even if nothing changes about the Buffalo offense, they still had about 80 targets off the top of my head that went to the running back position last year. My assumption will be 90% of those targets, or at least 60, 70% of those targets go to Cook. Cook is an incredibly efficient pass catching back. He's very fast, makes him a deadly weapon, even if he's only getting the third down work. Uh, yeah. Singletary last year was incredibly inefficient as a pass catching back, very inefficient. I think he averaged like five yards per reception, something around that. Um, according to PFF grades and things like that, just very inefficient back. He might get the, the, the main running work and then even cook just gets the pass catching work. But again, historically speaking last year, I think if he got even 60 targets, which I would assume he gets at least that, I think the worst we are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
the worst running back last year to get 60 targets was Miles Gaskin at RB24, 25. So I think okay. your kind of low end floor, in my opinion, for Cook is like a low end RB2, um, barring yeah. any injury. Whereas I think if you draft at 107, you're okay with that, right? Yeah, exactly. Spot. If I'm getting an RB2, if yeah. I'm getting an RB2 that I can get like, yeah, in the 10th round or something like that, then I'm absolutely happy with that. Um, I just don't think there's as much upside for Singletary. I think that he had a really nice streak there at the end of the year last year when they decided that Moss was dead and buried and they had nobody else to rely on. But, mm -hmm. you know, the reality is they drafted James Cook, third running back taken in the draft really high draft capital, higher than Moss, higher than Singletary. There's a reason for that. They didn't draft him just to play special teams or just to sit on the bench. So, Okay. So this, for me, with them being so local, comes that I'm a, I want to say, cautious drafter, perhaps. Uh, it comes down to safety net or upside. And if you're sat there on the board and these two are sitting there side by side at that spot, I guess you're going to learn a lot about your, your league mates here as to where they're at. I mean, Myself posed with that question at the minute. I'm taking Singletary. I think he's got the role. He had the role last year. Um, he beats that Moss out to it. He looked comfortable. He's got a nice steady floor each week. I'm okay with that as and when needed. As you say, Cook does have some upside. And if he can get the catching work and he can potentially steal some of Singletary's role, he could have a big influence. But for me, I think at the minute, I, especially this year in redraft, I'm looking at Buffalo being a heavily fancied contending team and going with what they know in Singletary as opposed to the wild carding cook. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, totally. And I think, like you said, it depends on people's draft strategies, what they like. For yeah. me and redraft, the later in the draft I get, the more I'm just shooting for upside. You know, like I yeah. want to be safe with my first three or four picks. I want to know what I'm getting myself into. And that's why I'm a little bit nervous about Brees Hall because I'm like, yeah, I see the yeah. talent, but, uh, you know, and that's why I didn't have a lot of Javonta Williams last year in redraft. Yeah. I love Javonta Williams. He was my favorite running back last year. I didn't have a lot of them because I was like, I don't know, man, it's going to be a timeshare. I'm not sure yeah. what to expect. It could take a bit of time. So those first couple rounds, man, I want my Devonta Adams. I want my Keenan Allens. I want my guys that I know what I'm getting. But the later I get in drafts, like I don't want somebody who I'm like, hey, if everything falls just right, he could be like a mid RB3. It's like, no, I want somebody who, if everything falls just right, what if this guy's the RB14 because he gets 96 targets? You know what I mean? That's that's what I'm Fair looking enough. for when I get late into the 10th, 12th rounds. Fair. So I think that's pretty much all we're going to see fantasy relevance from this year, running back in terms of rookies and redrafts. So uh, wide receivers moving on. We we had a few go first round in the NFL draft. Um, we've had a look at ADP again. London and Burks are within a round of each other on their ADP currently. Um, so we've got Drake London coming out at 67 and Train on Burks at 74. So some nine, no, seven spots apart. Um, any of them viable? Any fancy one over the other? I mean, other players within that catchment. Hunter Renfro, Brandon Ayuk, Russell Gage, all returning a similar ADP. Are you taking a gamble on the upside, as you said you would do, on these guys yeah. here? I'm taking Drake London 10 out of 10 times there, personally. Okay. Like, in my pre-draft evaluations, I had Drake London as my wide receiver two, just like half a point behind Garrett Wilson. So right. he was really pretty much neck and neck for me evaluating them. And with their landing spots and their draft capital, I've actually bumped Drake London into my wide receiver one spot for this job. <coughs> Traylon okay. Burks was about wide receiver five for me, um, mm -hmm. four or five. Like I'm just not as high on him as some people. I see a lot of things that I'm concerned about. Now, saying that, I love his landing spot. I think he went to the one place where I was sort of like, man, 
if he could go somewhere, and I use this example pre-draft, I was like, if he could go somewhere like the Titans where they know how to use yeah. a guy like that, that would be great. So I love that for him, but I still have concerns about him. And Drake London, I mean, is in at least as good a spot, you know, in my opinion, if not a better spot, because there aren't any real solid veterans on the team who are going to steal targets away from him. He's going to get 140, 150 targets this year. There's no way around that. To your point earlier, the Falcons are most likely going to suck um, and they're going to have to throw the ball like crazy. And they've literally yeah. got Pitts, London, Brian Edwards, who's never done anything in the NFL, much to my heartbreak. And, <laughs> you know, Cordero Patterson, who I love, but he's not going to steal 160 targets or 200 targets or anything. So, yeah. man, you given Drake London and Drake London, his skill set, he's a contested, contested catch meister. Yeah. He's also, you know, just a big dude, big target. So it doesn't even matter how accurate for me the quarterback is because he had some terrible quarterback play last year. Um, okay. And again, if you go back to the Titans, you know, they've got Derrick Henry. They want to run the ball. They're a good team. They could potentially, yeah. with all their injuries that they've got in the rearview mirror, if they stay healthy, they could just try and run the ball like crazy um, and then spread it out to Robert Woods, who's still there. You know, he's, I mean, not still there, but he's still a player he's, you know, he's there yeah. he's a quality yeah. veteran who could easily be the wide receiver one on that team this year they've got kyle phillips who i really like who could be stealing yeah. some of the slot work they've got chigazim who who is more of a yeah, longer tight. shot but yeah. you know they've got some tight ends there so for me it'd be an easy drake london personally okay uh anyone that listens to the show week in week out knows me and Murph probably pick up russell gage in that slot but i think of the two Drake London, for all the reasons you've said, it just sticks out as uh, one of the most viable options around that thing. Renfro, Ayuk, you know what you're going to get. London, I think, equals them on a bad year. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Russell Gage should be great for the first few weeks of the season, probably, because Tom Brady's awesome. That's a great offense to be part of. But again, is he just a placeholder? And when you need that production later in the season... Is Godwin going to be the dude again? So for yeah. me, it's like, hey, in redraft, you know, you've only got this year. You need to win this year. And so for me, Drake London is, in theory, hopefully, just going to be getting better and better as the season goes on. His okay. target share shouldn't be getting lesser. His role's not going to be replaceable. So for me, I would be certainly, especially because at that stage in the draft, I would be hopeful that London is like my third, maybe fourth wide receiver at that stage. And I genuinely yeah. think it's a very realistic outcome that he's a top 24 top 30 wide receiver this year so again i think he's returning value for me at that stage super um the next guy up on the adp is sky Moore. around about round seven he's going before guys tyler lockett canaries tony and his new teammate in, in marcus valdez scantling now this guy's seen since the rookie draft kind of a not quite meteoric or astronomical but it's getting up there rise in his adp purely based on his landing spot in, in kansas city i believe um sky Moore over mvs same team same qb same situation i don't like um, that one personally yeah for me it's sky Moore there uh over okay. mvs because we've seen multiple years of mvs and we know who he is i feel like yeah. Now that I could be wrong, you know, I could, he could come out and just absolutely ball out, but realistically, how big of a difference skill wise is there between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers? Not that big a difference, you know, and yeah. ultimately, yes, 
Tyreek Hill's gone, but Travis Kelsey's still the wide receiver one in Kansas City. So it's very similar in the sense if you want to talk about, well, you know, he wasn't the number one target. Well, he's not going to be the number one target in Kansas City. He's probably not even the two or the three necessarily. Um, So I would rather, if I was going to, now again, I don't know that I will because it's redraft. And again, it depends on how I've built my roster. If we're looking into, yeah, yeah, if I've got three, like if I've got Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, and, uh, you know, Mike Williams as my starting wide receivers, and I'm looking for upside i'll take sky Moore because i really liked sky Moore pre-draft he has a great production profile yeah. um he's somebody that you don't you don't see guys from that small of a school being early declares very often it yeah. is a fantastic landing spot he does a lot of things really well so if i'm shooting for upside i would like to see what sky Moore can do for me but again i would say he's maybe a little bit more of a risky um bet he's somebody that you know could could completely just bust for you or he could be amazing and just like smash and you're like hey you're locking him into your lineup every single week because they're finding ways to get him involved with gadget plays and things like that okay i for me it's risky juju's there mbs as you say travis kelsey is ultimately the wide receiver one on the side and there's much doubt about that and i just think all of that kind of limits sky Moore's capacity almost in some way and we said about mbs yeah i probably would take sky more over mbs because the known floor is quite low with MBS, whereas I think the upside of Sky Moore could be higher. Um, yeah, but I, honest, I think you're right. I think his ADP is right next to Kenny Falker. I'll take Kenny Falker instead. Yeah, and I'll take Kenny Falker instead. Somewhere later. <laughs> I, exactly, especially the way I build teams. I'll probably be taking Kenneth Walker's like my RB one because I'll already have like four wide receivers, a tight end, yeah. and maybe even my quarterback. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I need some running backs now, and I'll grab Kenneth Walker. So yeah, hundred percent. But if you've built your team in a different way. And you're looking for upside at that stage. I I would certainly take Sky Moore over MVS or Mikael Hardman yeah. or anybody like that. Super. Um, next two again, pretty similar. Mid eighth round, we're coming into Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson at the Jets. Now, I've compared these guys to, I guess, what is effectively the wide receiver one of their team. So, in Alave's instance, Mark Thomas is over a round ahead of him, um, and Elijah Moore is nearly three rounds ahead of Garrett Wilson. But I'd say from the outside looking in. There's an option that both of these guys could almost make their way into wide receiver one on their current rosters. Um, it's certainly possible, 100% possible. I, I think it's more probable that Olave does yeah, because I've got real concerns about Michael Thomas. Like it's been so long since we've seen him on the field. Yep. And even now, still, <laughs> like, what I would expect to be hearing right now is that, man, he looks good. Man, he can't wait to get out there. And instead, we're hearing like, well, there's a chance that he'll be ready by training camp. I don't like that at all. So oh. for me, Olave, I had him as, I believe, wide receiver four in this class. I really liked mm-hmm. him a lot. So I had high hopes for him anyways. He gets that first-round draft capital. James, Will, you know, James Winston loves to sling the ball. Uh, Olave is probably the best route runner of the class as far yeah. as far as being polished and ready to go in the NFL. Outside so, receiver as well, right? And if they put Landry in, who's can play that. Yeah, so role. exactly. Olave's it's like they can't, yeah, the defense can't just focus on Olave because they have brought in, you know, yeah. juice and they've also still got a really good run game. They've beefed up their offensive yeah, line yeah, again. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if Olave has well over a hundred targets this year as a rookie. So again, yeah, there I'm, I would be leaning Olave because I feel like, there's very limited circumstances which he busts this year. I'd be very surprised if he's a complete just bust. Fair. And how about uh, the Jets there then with the Wilson and Moore? Now, I personally got their production in the year being really similar, almost like we spoke about with Brees Hall and Michael Carter, and you don't really know this known entity or how this offense is going to quite pan out. In my head, I've got Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore returning pretty similar figures in, in my projection. So 
a free round swing. Me and Murph spoke before in drafts. I always take the second guy in an unknown offense. Lockett and Metcalf take the second one. Evans and Godwin take the second one. Um, yeah. And I'm here. I'll take Wilson three rounds after more and, and hope they return the same numbers. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly fair. I mean, I think I would say, you know, in redraft, sadly, I probably won't have a lot of either of them, you know, just because, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, first, it's an unknown we, yeah, for this to work, <laughs> we need Zach Wilson to make a very <coughs> sizable step forward. You know, yeah. let's be honest, he did not have a good rookie season. He didn't look great. I think he will take a step forward. I don't know how much of a step forward. And the problem is, is like, if he takes that step forward, is he going to take that step forward focusing on Elijah Moore or focusing on Garrett Wilson or focusing on Corey Davis or yeah. focusing on the tight ends? Like we don't know how this shakes out. So like you said, with redraft, it's so different in Dynasty. And I played like a lot yeah. of Dynasty. So in Dynasty, I'm like, yeah, I love Elijah Moore. I love Garrett Wilson yeah. because I trust the talent to eventually yeah. win out. Yeah. But man, in redraft, when you need that, you need wins game week one, game week two, game week three. I'm probably looking at other options in and around those ADPs. So let's find the ADPs. I haven't got it to hand. The sheets decided to crash and break on me, obviously, because that's what happens when you do it live. But uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Alave, two apart. What wide receivers he got in a bit? Chase Claypool, don't like that. Robert Woods, I do like. Five places behind Wilson. Um, who else we got? Michael Gallup, if he can get healthy. Tyler Boyd. I quite like Tyler Boyd as instead there. Um, yeah, uh, again, like yeah, you, I, I mean, think if redraft, around, I'm not touching a lot of the Jets. Around their ADPs, yeah, I think that, you know, it depends on what you've done so far in your build, what yeah. you're looking for. I mean, I would be, if I hadn't already got a tight end, I'd rather have Dallas Goddard as my tight end around that range Correct. than yeah. to, yeah. you know, grab Garrett Wilson as my, you know, probably what wide receiver four or five. Um, you know, if you can lock in Dallas Goddard as your tight end there, or, you know, even if you've gone, pretty light on running back we've already touched Mm -hmm. on you know a couple of the other guys but kareem hunt i would love kareem hunt there um i am a big kareem hunt fan this year i think he's gonna be great i think people really underestimate and undervalue how how good he is even you know around that area zach Ertz. i mean he was like four or five you know so i think there's a lot of safer bets in that area for adp if you haven't got your tight end yet grab zach Ertz, grab dallas goddard you probably just grabbed yourself a top five top six tight end rather than grabbing like a we don't know what you know with garrett wilson he's a great guy great talented wide receiver my wide receiver won pre-draft but it's just so much unknown fair and the last wide receiver i want to touch upon mainly because rich uh dynasty island from five out dynasty for those of you that don't know him has asked me to christian watson at Green Bay. ADP's returning around about round 10. Now, from the outside looking in, there's a realistic opportunity this guy could be the wide receiver in one in Green Bay. If you can pick him up in round 10, that yeah. could be a steal, right? Yeah, 100%. I, lo- I love upside and picking time. a punt late and picking up your, your full for fifth wide receiver and going, hey, exactly. I don't want to say floor, I want upside. Is exactly. there a bigger upside than Christian Watson in round 10 currently? No, hundred percent, man. Like I, and that's what I said. That's what I was saying earlier is for me, the later in redraft that I get the later rounds, like I just want upside, you know, I want like the, yeah. I want the, the lottery ticket because that's how you're going to win. So yeah. Christian Watson, hundred percent. I mean, if you look around, like who's going around him, I'm way rather in taking a chance on him than Tyler Boyd. I'd way rather take a chance on him than an injured Michael Gallup. Um, yeah. I'd way rather uh, take a chance. Yeah. The people around him, as you say, you've got Rondell Moore, you've got Kenny Goddard, you've got Tyler Boyd to say, Christian yeah. Watson in, in Green Bay, his floor's got to be equal to them. 
He's from yeah, Hassan exactly. to them. But his talent, ceiling talent, is yeah. so much higher than them. Talent-wise, you know, Jamison Williams is beyond him, but with that yeah. injury, there's no way I'm drafting him in redraft ahead of, no. you know, a Christian Watson. Yeah, if it's dynasty, that's different. But yeah, in redraft, 100%. Like you said, Tim Patrick, he's he's a great receiver, but he's probably the third or fourth receiver on his team. Michael um, Hardman, we know who Michael Hardman is. You know, Jamison Crowder, again, what is he, wide receiver three or four on his team? You know, there's just, I think Christian Watson is an absolute value there in the 10th round, really. If you think about what he could become, uh, what he could be, you know, if, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard It's hard to imagine any of these other players, you know, maybe Jacoby Myers, but other than that, you know, it's hard to imagine really any of these other players being much more of a value than than Watson there. Fine. Uh, last position to touch upon tight end. I pretty much put most in redraft leagues this year are going to become undrafted. Um, can you see any of them becoming viable options in a redraft league this year? Um, the only two that I can imagine being viable potentially, I mean, tight end is just notorious for taking time. You know, it's even yeah. some of the best, even Kyle Pitts, who's like this yeah. generational talent, he ended up pretty good. But it wasn't like you were jumping over the moon, so excited to lock him into your lineup last year. A lot of times, um, a lot of that's one touchdown. You know, that's that's fair enough. But I would say um, keep an eye on Jelani Woods because he okay. there's there's a fairly thin receiving core outside of Michael Pittman. You know, we know that. You know, we know that Frank Reich likes to utilize tight ends. We know that Matt Ryan has utilized tight ends historically in his career. Um, Mo Ali Cox is there, but he's never been like this beast target share monster. You know, again, I just, I, it's not somebody I would draft. It's just somebody I'd keep an eye on and see what happens. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Jelani Woods became viable later in the season. He was a monster last year, you know, um, it, receiving wise. And, you know, you never know with, with Trey McBride. I mean, I, I wouldn't yeah. expect him to be viable because, yeah. because of Ertz being there. But you never know because maybe all of a sudden they're going to be running more two tight end sets, you know, because yeah. that, that could be a thing. So I would keep an eye on him, but I wouldn't be drafting either of them. Fair. So I wrote here values and gambles. So which rookies do you feel present really good value for, for this year's upcoming redraft as it stands? Who are you happy to pick? Who are you okay to take a pick on and gamble? Like we said, we've got some perhaps. So what, who are you looking to pick up in your redrafts this year? I mean, honestly, like we talked about Christian Watson seems like a great value that late in the draft because, you know, a lot of times you have to like pay up to take the risk and, um, you know, it can be a bit scary. But honestly, I I think what I would say, honestly, I feel like Drake London is a good value. I mean, because you're getting him in the sixth or seventh round. You know, it's not like you're paying top three, top four round, you know, prices for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's what I mean is that, you know, you're getting a, a probably a team's wide receiver one, which, and you're locking somebody into 140, 150 targets. That's pretty good in the sixth round or something, especially if you went like running back heavy and you're looking yeah. for upside with your wide receivers. I think that, you know, as far as running backs, there are a couple of rookie running backs, you know, you could get really late in your rookie drafts just to take a punt on to see what happens those first couple of weeks. For right. example, Damian Pierce um, it, yeah. with the Texans, he is, you know, he was really misutilized and underutilized there in florida but he is a really talented running back he's got a really solid build um we just don't know we didn't really see anything from marlon mack when he came back from that injury and rex burkhead is rex burkhead you know he's fine yeah. there's nothing yeah. wrong with him but i would i would pick up damian pierce maybe really late in the draft and just see how those first couple of weeks are looking uh as well as that you know tyler algier is another one because yeah. 
Atlanta has so few weapons and they really only have Cordero Patterson and, you know, they don't, from my understanding, they don't really want to primarily utilize him as a running back. They want to be able to move him around like a chess piece almost, yeah. get him involved in the receiving game and things like that. So there's a chance that Tyler Algier, you know, has more work than we expect. And again, he's probably basically free in your redraft leagues. You know, you can get him with like your last pick of the draft. Um, yeah. Probably those are some of the main ones that I would say you know, to actually potentially punt on sort of like at the end, because especially with running backs, you know, man, if you, if you hit on that James Robinson or something, that yeah, is yeah. gold and redraft because you're just going to be, yeah. you're going to be set and up. So early and you've got a bonus start for little cost. Yeah, exactly. Or even, um, yeah, exactly. So I think those are a couple of running backs that you could certainly look to um, take a little shot on. And then even as far as like, <sighs> Yeah, I, I would say those are the main ones, really. The main real values that seem to stand out. Christian Watson, um, you know, keep an eye on training camp news. I've heard some real positive things about Romeo Dubs coming out of camp okay. about uh, they're really liking his hands. He seems to be catching everything and all that sort of stuff. And he was sort of a deep threat in Nevada, yeah. but he's a longer shot. He's just somebody I would pay attention to in preseason, see what's happening. You know, I think those camp reports, the preseason reports, they can be really useful, especially in redraft for picking out those. Ooh. One other one, actually, that did come to mind, Abram Smith. Uh, he was a UDFA. He signed with the Saints. Yeah. And the thing is, Kamara's a stud, but he is getting older, and there's nothing really behind him. And historically, yeah. we've seen a really nice tandem there, usually. For the last several years, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara would always be this great one-two punch. Um, somebody that I actually really liked, um, Abram Smith, I was surprised he went undrafted. He had a really great year there in Baylor. He put up some really good numbers running in this outside zone scheme. I think that if any like UDFA or late round guy is going to hit it, probably is either him or Kennedy Brooks. And Kennedy Brooks has a lot more competition in Philadelphia than Abram Smith has. And if in Kamara Orleans. does get a suspension, he's straight into an RB2 role. Exactly. And, easy. and that's what you're looking for in that repeat. You're looking for exactly. who has the shortest path to snaps, meaningful snaps. And, if and that's the thing with Abram Smith, I would 100% recommend most people, especially if they're just casual redraft players and they've not really been paying attention in the offseason they're not going to draft Amos Smith. They're probably not even going to know oh. who he is. So if you get oh. to your last round in the draft and you've got all your other things, just as a dart throw, I would pick him up because there's a chance that round comes by. <laughs> there's a chance there. that even if Alvin Kamara doesn't get suspended and even if Alvin Kamara is playing, that he still yeah. gets work because they they yeah. want Alvin Kamara to stay healthy. They've, yeah. they've shown with their draft strategy, with the way they've utilized their picks, that they're not playing for next year, playing for three years down the line. They're actually going for it. They're trying to compete yeah, this yeah. year. So they're going to want Kamara to stay healthy. They're going to want to spread the ball around a little bit. And if Abram Smith is showing well in training camp and preseason, he could be an absolute steal and redraft. Awesome. So Evan, thanks for joining us. Just before we go, tell people where they can find you, where's your Twitter, what articles. Give us a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at FF Evan Lucian. Like it says there, um, you know, revolution, yeah. but my name, Evan Lucian, it's a whole thing. Um, you can catch the show dynasty debates on all the podcast listening platforms, putting up new shows every week. Usually, honestly, most weeks, probably two shows, sometimes more. Um, yeah. and that's, that's every single week, lots of really great guests there. So check that out. And then I do ranking, um, super flex tight end premium ranking over at dynasty nerds. So if you have a subscription, it's really cheap and they have a lot of great tools. They've got dynasty GM where you can literally look at all your teams across various platforms and trades and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I do some articles. I've, I'm actually, I've just released an article last week. Uh, it's kind of looking at 
PFF grades and how they actually correlate for fantasy football. So, you know, does a top 12 PFF quarterback mean a top 12 fantasy quarterback? So I've already done the quarterback position. I'll be looking at running backs and wide receivers, things like that. So yeah, you can catch articles and rankings over at Dynasty Nerds. Catch me on Twitter or listen to the podcast Dynasty Debates. I'm going to use somewhere else. If you love what Evan has to say, Evan is, I think he's been announced yet, and I'm not breaking this, but Evan is one of our guest panel speakers at the UK Fantasy Football Collective event next month in July here in London. Uh, we are almost at single-digit tickets left. So if anyone's debating whether to come, wants to come, not quite sure, uh, the opportunity is nearly going to elude you. It's about time to, to look into those train journeys and hotels, if that be the case, and, and grab your tickets because yes. they will be gone, I feel. So... Um, for anybody that's listening that has missed Murph, uh, Murph is actually on Carl Yates' Playbook podcast this week. Uh, that's Thursday at about 3 p.m. I think hard time going out live, so we can catch him there and then. Uh, also, the Five Yard FFCC. Uh, there was a huge man out last week. Most of the invites are out now, so if you've got it, please go get your donations in. It's all for a fantastic cause, as always. Uh, what else have I mentioned? Murph's Fantasy Football Playbook. Should be out next week. It's We're dependent on Amazon, but it's off to them now. So hopefully that'll be live and up and running and out next week for you. Uh, and just going back to the FFCC, there are just a small handful of places left. So if anyone's not in it yet, feels they're missing out, head over to the Five Yard Rush website, get your name registered, get signed up, and hopefully that invite will be on its way to you. Evan, anything else you'd like to add before we bid you goodbye, sir? Oh, no, man. Just uh, shout out, Murph. Thanks for uh, missing the, the show so I can come on. And <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for having me on, Dan. You're a great host, and it's been an absolute pleasure having being on so. here. So uh, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. No, you're welcome. Uh, so insightful. I listen to you, you didn't see the debate show quite often, and it is insightful, and I enjoy what you have to say. So um, pleasure to have you on and, and meet you, and I look forward to meeting you next month in person as well. So um, yeah, guys, Big Man isn't here. I'm going to have to use his his catchphrase, unfortunately. But everybody out there, please, we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, keep brushing. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.